Heroes, welcome to the show. I am your host, Sean Q, back again. It has been a little while since we last talked. Uh, I think it's been a little uh, over a month since we last did a show. Um, it has been very busy around here with uh, summer uh, ending and school starting for the kids. So we have been a little bit busy here in studio. And by in studio, I mean in laundry room. Um, we are having a uh, hell of a time trying to find time to record. Uh, we just got back from our big D&D weekend up in Espanola, which is uh, just a little community outside of Sudbury, Ontario. Um, Mike, um, who is at Iron Trap on Instagram, his uh, in-laws, the Williams, uh, thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Williams, uh, they let us use their cottage for our D&D weekend. We were up there... Uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, and we left Sunday morning. If you can imagine it, it was uh, three glorious days of D&D and coffee and booze and pot and pot brownies and all sorts of fun things. Um, we had such a great time. Um, I seriously don't think we've ever uh, done anything like this before. It was uh, an incredible weekend. Um, there will be some recordings that will be coming out over the course of the next couple months where I talk to uh, at Blackwater Johnny or Jack, my, our old DM, about um, his uh, views of uh, pirate gaming with um, Ghost of Salt Marsh having come out. He talks to us. He talked to us a little bit about uh, about that and his pirate game, um, Pirates of Blackwater. Uh, we so th- those things will be coming out at some point soon. Um, we are gonna just really throw it to the game today. Uh, to the we're going to really just throw it to the uh, interview today with Weston Gardner. Um, he is a um, musician and uh, a, a role player out of uh, uh, Southern California. He um, uh, has an actual play with his friends called Knights of the Roll Table. They are an awesome, hilarious group of people. Uh, just seriously enjoy their show. It is so funny. But he also has a side hustle called Make My Anthem. It's at Make My Anthem on Instagram. And uh, he uh, creates a theme song for your character or your party or really for anything. He is a commissioned musician, which is um, something completely different that's out there. This is the unofficial part two to our character design uh, series that we did. Um, Last episode, we talked to Steve Nickel about um, commission art and how you kind of come up with the ideas for for creating character art for people. And this is the second part of that, which is uh, music. Uh, music is a huge part of our game. Um, it's one of the reasons why we actually don't release any actual plays of our D&D games because it's chock full of us playing soundtracks from like Dracula and Clash of the Titans and the new Aquaman and you know all these great um, uh, all these great soundtracks that we use during our D&D games. We wouldn't be able to release them, so it's one of the reasons why we don't do it. Um, so I just wanted to uh, throw it to the interview. I hope you enjoy my conversation with uh, Weston Gardner. I uh, I think it's probably one of the best interviews that I've ever done. Um, we It was so easy to talk to him, and we got along super well. Felt like I was talking to one of my old buddies. Uh, anyways, um, here, uh, before we get to the interview, is a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Heron Hound Barbershop, located at 432 and a half Preston Street in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Tom's been cutting my hair for many years now and I've followed him around from shop to shop. And when he told me that he was opening up his own place, I was over the moon excited for him. The atmosphere that he creates in his shop is one of inclusion and family and I always feel as comfortable with him as I do in my own home. I love my time at the barbershop 
It's the only time where it's all about me. It's not my job or my family or my wife or my kids. I go there for me and I come out looking fresh and feeling refreshed. From a standard haircut to a deluxe beard trim or to a classic straight razor shave, Tom and Company can do it all and with great skill. Shit, it is reasonably priced as well. Do yourself a favor and sit in the best chair around at the Hare and Hound. Book now at www.hareandhoundbarbershop.com. And as always, sponsoring this show and all shows is the best collectible store in Eastern Ontario, Backspun. They have the best and biggest collection of vintage toys, rare collectible records, and everything you could possibly want concerning Magic the Gathering. Backspun hosts many tournaments and unboxings, and located at 1215 Pitt Street in Cornwall, Ontario. If you are in the area, stop by for a visit, or reach out to the website at thevintagetoyman.com, or their Instagram at Backspun for more details. I am joined today with, uh, by uh, Weston Gardner. He plays coach on the Knights of the Rolled Table D&D 5e Actual Play podcast. Uh, you might also know him as uh, at Make My Anthem on Instagram, where he uh, creates theme songs for your character and your party. And don't forget, he is also the guitarist for the soon-to-be rock and roll phenomenon known as Rush the Werewolf. Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, how are you, Sean? Yeah, not, not bad, man. Not bad. I'm uh, super excited that we got to uh, get this going. Um, I've been looking forward to this interview for quite a long time. Uh, thank you very much for making time for us. Of course, in my crazy busy schedule that I've got going on here. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, the, uh, that I think was the uh, the longest intro that I've ever done for anybody. So uh, you have um, also I, maybe I should have thrown in there uh, Dice Maker as well. Yeah, aspiring dice maker. I've made a whole four sets as as of the recording of this podcast. Hopefully, mm -hmm. more soon. So you wear lots of hats. <laughs> I like to involve myself in a lot of different things. I don't like other people to do things for me. I guess <laughs> that's cool. I mean, why yeah. not? Uh, and if it's something that you don't know how to do, the learning process is kind of the fun part too, right? So, I'm I, the more things that I jump into, the more I realize that becoming proficient at something is way easier than most people think it is um so i'm I, I try to not be as afraid anymore it's like yeah. eventually it's, it's going to work eventually you're going to find out how to do it better and so on and so forth right it's it's getting over that initial i don't know if i want to do this or i don't know if i can do this mentality that fear that you mentioned if once you get past that you you know you realize hey i can i can probably do anything if i really just do it 100 percent. yeah that's exactly right so you play coach, uh, the uh, health nut and fitness guru dwarf fighter. <laughs> I sure do. Uh, uh, for the podcast, for your D&D uh, &D podcast. But you also um, wrote the theme song, which is fantastic. Thanks. And uh, you do uh, uh, quite a lot of editing and uh, you're like the main producer of the show as well. Yeah, I, I do all the like engineering setup. So I've, I'm the one who's setting up all the microphones and making everybody sound nice right. and loud, even though they have zero mic discipline and <laughs> telling how, them not, um, to, not to tap on the table when, when yeah, they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. How, um, how different is it for you to be setting up a D and D show as opposed to be setting up for a rock show? Uh, very different, although much easier. Uh, setting up six microphones is way easier than, you know, trying to, mic up amps and balance yeah. 
oh gosh, this is a this is a breeze yeah. <laughs> comparison. It's it's got to be a little um, a little funny though that you're you know uh, you know setting up a, a sound for a uh, like a stadium show or like an auto- auditorium show or whatever, and then you're doing the you're applying kind of the same skill set to this very nerdy thing. Um, it uh, it makes me giggle when I think of like you know an engineer like yourself. Um, like meticulously, like looking at your players that are, are the players at the table going, hey, don't don't bump the table. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like giving them the evil eye and all that stuff. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Um, and you're all uh, you and your group are um, all like um, improvs, uh, uh, improv people, and and like uh, acting um, uh, uh, folks. So you're kind of used to this. Uh, I have this image in my head where you're doing uh, mic checks, sitting around at the table like two feet from each other. Like sibilets, sibilets, mic check, mic check. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you would be surprised. I, I hope that eventually we release some content of the warm-ups that we do, which is really uh-huh. fun. Well, one thing I want to say about that is I'm the only one who is not a improv person. Okay. Uh, I, so I'm very much the odd duck out in that group. Uh, all of them are actually a part of a, a local comedy theater here in San Diego called National Comedy Theater, and I am... I am not. I I never have been. So they are all in my. They're just hilarious. I just find them so funny. And yeah. uh, the Chris uh, who plays um, gravely mm-hmm. and is now DMing uh, mm-hmm. for season two. He right. was the one who kind of invited me into that group uh, because I got Chris back into D and D, and then he right. started getting that group back into D and D. But yeah, so that's it, really. It, it's been it's a really interesting conversation. It's like a like an avalanche of things happen for you know something like this to come together you know like you get one guy in the D and he gets two other people in the D and then and then they call you back hey you want to be part of this thing it's uh it's, it's kind of neat how that, that works out i have found the D community to be the most supportive wonderful interesting passionate group of people it just it's so amazing and i, and I say that a lot on my uh, instagram channel and i really mean it just what a bunch of wonderful people uh yeah there's no um there's no end to the uh inclusivity and uh kindness that i've seen online and uh even you know just in person with people in your hometown at the you know comic book shops and at cons and stuff it's just uh it's something that can't be really explained only like you know um experienced i completely agree um, How did you, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I started playing, I, I think this is a question you're about to ask. Yeah. Um, I started playing D&D about four years ago. Okay. And uh, I started listening to Critical Role, which it just, the, the thing that got me into D&D was this random post on Imgur mm-hmm. that somebody was like, hey, these voice actors are playing D&D. And I was like, oh, what a bunch of nerds, you know? And I listened right. to one episode and then I could not stop. I know. Um, and... Then I convinced seven of my other friends who at the time were getting into like kind of because we're living in like the board game renaissance right now. So many amazing board games out there. Yeah. And so they were really getting into that and like game design and all these things. And I brought uh, a game called Mice and Mystics to them, which is like a tabletop in a box kind of game. Yeah, I I think I saw that on um, on Will Wheaton's tabletop. Yeah, that's where I saw it. Yeah, it's fantastic. eh? really really fun game and i started painting miniatures and i brought that to them and they loved it and then i was like hey when you're ready i think you guys would really enjoy D." it's time and, to level up <laughs> yeah and and at first they were like do you mean that thing that nerds do yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh it's just been this really amazing ride ever since then 
I feel like I've been saying for over 25 years to people, you just have to sit and play and then you'll get it. Yep. You know, people ask me, ask all the time over, you know, uh, over all this whole time that I've been playing, people will say, well, what is it? Like, what is it? Sometimes I try the whole like, okay, well, you walk into a bar and you, you know, there's a, a shifty character in the back with a cloak and there's a table of dwarves. There's a uh, very interesting looking uh, elf at the bar and a human bartender. What do you do? Um, so I try that That's kind of approach great. to kind of tell them what to do. Like, this is how you play or whatever, right? But they still don't get it. And I'm like, you just have to sit down at the table because that thing that I just said to you isn't really the game. The game is that moment when someone at the table, table says something so hilarious that everyone can't stop laughing for like a half an hour. A hundred percent. That's exactly right. I, I, I find that what, what gets people hooked on D&D is actually not their first session. Right. It's all, all the thoughts they have after their first session. You're totally right. It's, it, it's, you become obsessed with wanting to get back yeah. in that world, wanting to play this character again. Want, like all of a sudden you have all these feelings that you never experienced before, you know, yeah. living in this imaginary world for three hours or, you know, two hours or wh however long it was, you want to come back to it. Yeah, you're, um, you're li literally like laying in bed with your eyes open. You're supposed to be sleeping, but all you want to do is message your DM and go, hey, is there a way that I can combine this spell with this spell and make this? <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. That's exactly right. I, um, I, I remember I, before we even started playing, because I, I mean, I, I started playing D&D as a DM. Right. Like, that's, that's how I began playing. I didn't even, play, I've, I had never even played as a character before. Uh, so again, I, I would lie, like after each session, I would lie in bed not being able to sleep, just obsessing and not obsessing, but like being so engaged yeah. uh, with the world and wanting to see where, you know, the adventure goes. And it's like a, um, your, your brain becomes this, um, malleable thing where you, uh, you know, you start thinking about this game as a DM anyways, uh, and you're, you're the possibilities for you, uh, creatively are endless, right? Exactly. And so your, your brain does this thing where you, you start thinking of all these different scenarios uh, of what could happen the next game or further down the road. And, and, um, and then none of those things work out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that is, that is the best, in my opinion, that's the best part about it is right. I go into a session very prepared and it doesn't matter. And, and that's, that's phenomenal. Like I, I love that as a DM, you don't plan out everything like, like, or at least you can't because your players are so creative and so fun yeah. and not knowing what at the end of this session, where they're going to be at is my favorite thing. I, I don't want to be able to predict that, Oh, they're going to do this and they're going to kill the monster and they're going right. to, you know, they're going to feel this way. And like, I do my best to create really great story moments, but they're the ones who really make it real, who really yeah. bring the magic. I like to, uh, there, there are certain things as a DM for myself anyways, that I like to, that I like to shoehorn. I, I give my players tons of freedom to do whatever it is they want. But when I have an idea in my head for a specific scene that I'd like to play out, um, I try my darndest to fit that scene into whatever it is they've, the choices they've made. Um, yeah. So if I imagined it at this grand ball where they the characters were invited by the local lord and they're going to go and steal a vase and that that doesn't happen, then maybe that that party happens somewhere else. Yeah. Or maybe the stealing of the vase happens a different way. 
Um, I, and when I have these ideas or these images in my head of things that I love, I'll try to at least deconstruct those ideas and save as much of that as possible so that I have something ready, right? The illusion of choice. It, right. it's, it, it, it's very powerful because you do spend, like DMs spend a lot of time on these encounters and they can be really cool. Mm -hmm. And it's important that the players feel like uh, those things happen in an earned way. Right. Those things are, are occurring because they chose for those things to happen. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, giving them that uh, the illusion of choice is just as important uh, as giving them really great moments. Right. I love that. Uh, there, there's a, uh, there, there are moments though as well that happen where the characters will get swept up in the narrative and <laughs> um, sometimes forget that they have, I, I mean, myself as a player as well, for, sometimes we forget that we have choice. And sure. um, you go along with what's happening so much so like, and sometimes it's so intense. There's so much battle going on. You forget that, you know what? I can just leave. Mm. I can just turn around and flee and then we don't have to deal with this at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking multiple times where my players were so, uh, like, like you were saying, so sunk into combat that they forgot that you know, the point isn't this combat. The point is to get to the city over here and right. you guys can just run away. Like you, you, you yeah. don't have to fight these, you know, gnome spiders. You don't have yeah. to do that. Uh, you can, you can run and uh, teaching them like as, as a DM, I'm still teaching my players that have been playing with me for four years in this same campaign with their same characters. Right. Um, I'm, I'm encouraging them to think about the game in new ways. Yeah. Uh, and that's really important. The um the most important thing um uh, that fifty years of Doctor Who teaches us is that <laughs> characters who run away are still very interesting. Oh yeah, because <laughs> he literally runs away all the time. There's so often, never, I've you never see this guy fight. He's just like, <laughs> oh, let's run away. Plan A and Plan B are both. Is <laughs> <of them. laughs> get get out of dodge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I think it sets a pretty good precedent, and actually, it makes the DM's job much more interesting. Because then you have these opportunities for skill challenges, and you have these opportunities for okay, how can I make running away interesting? You right, know? right. What what are they running away from? Where are they running not away that to? Simple, right? No, it's not. Yeah. Um, earlier, cool. I mentioned uh, the those moments at the table where um, everyone bursts out laughing, and uh, happens quite often for you guys at your table. Like I said, these are funny people. I mean, they're just funny. They the stuff they come up with kills me. I don't think that you should uh, um, uh, uh, take yourself out of that group. You're quite funny yourself. <laughs> Thank you. The um, the atmosphere at the table is um, you can feel it coming through the uh, through the, uh, the the headphones or the speakers you're listening to. Um, I think that the audio quality works uh, uh, that helps that um, really shine through. Um, you can really just pay attention to the jokes and the, the the conversations as opposed to being constantly reminded that it doesn't sound good or whatever. I, I always tell people, you know, the most important thing is cinema in cinema is good sound. Mm -hmm. And that's why podcasts work. Mm -hmm. If a podcast has good sound, it's going to feel real. That's why audiobooks work. That's why radio right. worked for the longest time. Right. Because we make an emotional connection with sound. It's it. I think it's more challenging, uh, still an amazing thing, but more challenging for people to have a real emotional connection to art. I think you have to look at art much longer mm -hmm. uh, in order to gain an emotional uh, understanding of it. And music just resonates uh, mm -hmm. almost immediately when, when we hear something. At least it does with me. And I mean, I'm obviously I'm very biased. Yeah, I think that <laughs> admittedly. 
I think that uh, the the quality um, allows you to f- kind of feel you're like you're in the room. That's that's the the hope is that you you believe that you are there with us mm-hmm. and that you could you know just as quickly start up a conversation with one of us. Right. And I think that the good ones make you react to something in game or even like for anything right now we're talking about D&D podcasts but for any of those other things we t- just talked about um it makes you react to it almost like you feel like you can affect it do you know what I mean like you can say like no don't do that or whatever like you should maybe you shouldn't do that mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm listening to a pre-recorded thing here there's no you know <laughs> there's no possible way that that, that that would actually happen. Maybe eventually technology will get to the point where... <laughs> you, choose, choose your own D&D adventure podcast? Yeah, you you uh, you just run this uh, D&D deepfake campaign yeah. <laughs> where, where you're interacting with all of these uh, these uh, fake players. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, until that day comes. I, um, I, I really... Uh, I also really enjoy the fact that you're all sitting at a table together. Um, it really adds to the atmosphere of the show as well. And I, I don't just mean like most D&D is played at the table together, but there's quite a lot of it now that is all online. And there are some really, really great online um, actual play podcasts out there, um, you know, with really good quality uh, audio and great stories. But sometimes I feel like they lack some of that um, comedy and camaraderie because they're not actually there in person. Being able to see somebody and read off of their like their energy and see what their face is doing and being able to make eyes across the table when you when something goes down you didn't intend like all of those moments are key uh, you know they're, they're really important to i say important a lot but th- there's so many there's so many elements that are so important to dd um but when you're at the table you can really read off of those things mm-hmm. the the other thing that uh, we have as players and you know as a DM playing D&D is this element of trust being able and, and something very important in improv as well is this ability to trust the people around you the DM trusts the players that that they want to experience the story that the DM has has written for them the the players trust the DM that mm-hmm. he's he or she you know, they they are going to be fair uh, in, in in this world and that they want to make them heroes Mm-hmm. And there's this this mutual trust, and when that mutual trust happens, I think something magical happens, uh, and it's this really uh, you know amazing experience. Yeah, it's um, it it definitely, like you say, there's 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 magic happening at the table, and um, only the people at the table can really feel it. Um, I mean, being a um, an ex rock star, an ex a person in a rock band, you know that there's that moment. Um, me and my old band buddies, we used to uh, call it the th- uh, 30 Seconds of Glory. And there'd be that moment when you're <laughs> jamming out and um, everyone ends up being on together. And that song that, you, that the, the song that becomes that comes from that jam is being written right now in these 30 seconds. And there's that moment where you look over and everyone's looking at each other going, this is it. This is the this is, this that- is amazing. Yeah, this is the thing that we've been chasing this whole time. Yeah. And um, and that happens at the D&D table as well, I think. A hundred percent. It's one of the things that I really promote with Make My Anthem. And I think what makes it like because it, it's a ton of work to, to put together songs, as you right. know, uh, it's so much work. But the thing that really keeps me loving it is this collaborative vision that I have for it. Mm-hmm. I I want people when they come to me with an idea for a character or an idea for a, a party, I, I want them to 
really think about, okay, who are these people? Really narrow it down so mm -hmm. that when they, when I send them music, they can be like, it's not quite it. Or yes, that is it. You know, that is, that is what I was hearing. Or maybe that wasn't what I was hearing, but this is so much better than what I thought it was going to be. Right. I, this idea of collaboration, like what you were saying, makes magic happen. It's, it's when you connect people to people yeah. that really creative and inspiring things occur. A couple of quick points here I want to make about the podcast before we leave it behind. Um, so, so far, my favorite episode has been uh, The Great Escape when we go back and find out what uh, XX Bloody Heart was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that episode. I think it was so great that, um, that Zach was like, uh, oh, here, these are the characters you guys are playing. Um, uh, we, we've done that in our, our games too before, and it's so like off-putting and fantastic, and you have to kind of fly by the seat of your pants and all that. I adored that episode. Uh, absolutely. And it was really funny because in the episode I was talking about how I, how I always wanted to play a Minotaur and mm -hmm. legitimately not on a three or four weeks prior, I, I was like creating this Minotaur character. So when he handed me that sheet, it just yeah. clicked, you know, you're like, absolutely connected. he like, was perfect. paying attention to me. Yeah. He knew well, what I wanted. He, he had no idea. Oh, it, he did. it was, it was just, it was just the universe communicating through our brains. That's right. uh, but I mean, giving a character a character sheet where you're, where the character has two health points. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Too. Um, yeah, that, that that episode really uh, came together in, in in such a way that I I, I I just found it absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it was great to have Man. Um, Jablonski back too. It was nice to have his character come back into it. So we we talk about. XX Bloody Heart, and when he first brought that concept to us, we yeah. were we rolled our eyes so hard. But yeah. we always say that Jeff knows how to commit to a bit, right? And man, did he ever! And it just worked. It's like he's he's easily one of my favorite characters. That it so had. works, man. It so works. Like, um, it's when he got left when he gets left behind, and. Mm -hmm. He his like his cry of oh my god you got like you guys left me behind was like a more of like a meh than it was like uh, right than anything else it was just fantastic like it's so great finally <laughs> yeah yeah ex yeah exactly yeah so I have a little bit of a lightning round here of uh, topics about the podcast I would okay. like to talk about um, it's only like five or six of them or whatever but um, maybe we can do like a quick um, back and forth I'll, I'll say I'll make a statement or a phrase and then you can kind of give me your first thoughts on it and uh, I mean hopefully I'm not blindsiding you here with the and, you know ho hopefully you remember all these but uh, bring it on let's okay. see okay cool so uh, the first one is uh, magic of the bone Oh yes. Uh, so oh Jessica. Oh Jessica. <laughs> Listening uh, back to that episode, I just I thought she was out acting like she was out RPing all of us. And that was like her third time playing D D. Oh really? Man, I just well and, and here's the other thing is this is again one of those moments uh where at the table we Jen and I were looking at each other just absolutely dying. Uh Jen is such a funny funny person and we just saw this getting worse and worse and yeah <laughs> or better and better and better i guess it depends yeah. on anyway yeah that was that was a very good moment yeah great uh, great episode a uh, great series of episodes with her and it um it's um i like the uh the disappearance of a, one character and then the an emergence of a new character uh it's very fluid and it feels like a real story as opposed to the same four people around the table all the time it's great 
we we actually talked i mean i don't know if this is one of your lightning round responses but i had a huge concern about that at the very beginning you know like with all the other popular D podcasts i feel like mm-hmm. they all have all the same characters all the time right uh so well, i'm not saying we're that popular but i am saying that this was a different approach is we we wanted a podcast that was uh you know going to be different than than the norm and yeah. because they're think, all go ahead no i was gonna say i think it completely works oh i'm glad i think it's great yeah and it makes uh it makes um uh, jeff coming back in to the, uh, at the table even more amazing when he does right like i think it's great mm-hmm. I, I think that their drive as improv actors and this constant need to reinvent and recreate and start fresh kind of drives that principle. Mm-hmm. And I was very wary of that at first, and I was very vocal about it, and I, I just trusted them. You know, I was like, all right, we're going we're gonna to try it. Let's see. Let's see how that works. And I'm, I'm glad it's working out well. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, this lightning round is more of like a chain lightning round where it just keeps hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, so the next one is uh, uh, Warrior Baby Bjorn. Got to be the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, the, um, uh, the, the uh, what, what do they call it? I forgot what the, the, the papoose? Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Where, wick. Uh, the, the wick was tucked in the front. Yeah, but that's super dangerous, yo. Oh, we, we've talked about that multiple times, how like, excessively yeah, dangerous Have it on was. your back with a shield covering it. <laughs> that tower shield to cover that baby, yo. Jeez. He, uh, well, he, he, yeah, he did have a tower shield, so that was yeah, something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was probably the, the uh, most precarious uh, place to, to place a baby, I think. Yeah. It's super cute, though. Like, I mean, it, that might be, that might give people attacking him this disadvantage just because... <laughs> The baby, like, do I want to <laughs> kill that baby? I guess not. Ugh. Yeah, the the, the Knowles. I, I I I don't know if Knowles would uh would hold back too much, but right. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. all of all the ladies said that their ovaries were bursting at that whole conversation. <laughs> yeah, oh, so cute. Um, the next one is uh, who runs the world? Squirrels. Oh man. Dude. Maya's well, so, so that that was all Chris and Jeff with the the fake court and the oh man it's so again good. they're funny people I, I, at certain points I I'm laughing so hard I can't act anymore I I right. can't RP anymore I just am just dying and that yeah. was one of those moments that's okay though I mean that's you know uh, we want to hear that right like it's <sighs> it's like those uh those fantastic moments on SNL where someone's breaking character and you can they're laughing or they're smiling and they're not supposed to be and that makes you enjoy the skit more it's the same kind of thing I, I think my favorite SNL break was the Lindsay Lohan episode where they were talking they were at Disneyland uh with and it was Debbie Downer have you seen that oh. episode you need to watch that if you have, <laughs> yes yeah. yeah that is that is gold and they were all just like crying yeah um, anyway, just dying. I totally I totally agree with you and that was definitely one of those moments where when you get Chris and Jeff just uh riffing yeah. you can't stop them yeah, that's great. That's awesome. But, I mean, and and you can tell that they're very familiar with each other and in, in doing that and very comfortable with each other to do it too, right? That that trust again, it all goes back yeah. to that. Yeah, for sure. Um, the uh, XX gang is everything that I've ever wanted to listen <laughs> to a podcast. Um, I like I would listen to li- literally. I would I want to hear uh, uh, XX Bloody Hearts origin stories of the XX gang um, with you guys all in those characters. That's so funny, man. It was so funny. That was easily the most improv episode where we all just did it. Like, it, it was in the moment. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, I basically made the suggestion. I was like, what if we did this? And everyone's like, yes. And yeah. then and that was it. That was what happened. And I don't, I don't even think Jeff 
uh, not Jeff, uh, Zach, our DM, just kind of sat back while all of that <laughs> was yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was great because yeah. it just uh, the, then the gang getting uh, like getting assaulted by the uh, road. Yeah. Stuff. yeah, it's just it's it's perfect, man. It's so awesome. Um, OK, so I'm next is um, uh, <laughs> XX Bloody Hearts Axe Body Spray. Of course. Yeah, I um, uh, I immediately this is like getting back to that moment where you um, you're so immersed in the show or the media that you're consuming that you feel like you can just react and make a joke back and everyone will hear you. And my joke is that um, the uh, <laughs> that his body spray, his axe body spray is actual arterial spray from an axe. Oh, <laughs> like like from a forge. It's just like <laughs> yeah. It's, it just smells like solder and <laughs> yeah. metal it's impurities like, and or it's a yeah it's like a a, a cast off from uh, a coach's uh, a war axe <laughs> you know hey give me a little bit of spray here coach yeah, you you know? just banging yeah. on it and it's go flying oh I love that I'll yeah. I'll have we'll we'll see if that ever pops up in canon that's really that's, great that's funny that's funny um and then lastly is uh, oh my god so many knolls um so oh, many the knoll pun. Yeah, it's just uh, never an extreme of null puns. You know, it's funny. Um, uh, uh, a lot of the time when you uh, joke with your buddies, you'll, um, you know, you'll, uh, you'll kill a joke. You know, you'll make the joke, you'll, a recurring joke. You'll kill it. You, you'll, you'll like literally make the joke over and over and over again. And then it stops being funny. But everyone keeps making the joke. And then eventually it becomes funny again. Yes. And that's, you could see that what's happening. Like, in real time with you guys where it was funny, funny, funny. It wasn't so funny anymore. No one was really enjoying it. And then it became funny again. Isn't that just quintessential spending times with the buddies? And that's exactly what it is. I, I adore that kind of, because that, that's just, that's just real life. I mean, yeah. I, and, and there are, there are those who adore puns like myself and profess to not like them, but I do. And then there are other people who really just can't handle them. And it's, that that's just real life, you know. That's just how life is. Yeah, that's just real life. Not enjoying puns is a reality check. It, it real. It, some people just do not. They just yeah. they don't find them funny, and I find that hilarious when somebody else is hating on anyway. <laughs> um, lightning round. So, lightning that, round. Yeah, and then <laughs> lastly, the last part of the lightning round um, is um, I think one of my favorite moments so far. I've uh, I'm like on the penultimate episode of season one. So I'm um, out of the frying pan right now and I'm about to start uh, into the fire. So I'm uh, I'm almost caught fully caught up. Wow. Uh, one of my favorite parts in the whole show is when uh, Lyra disguises herself as coach um, and coach's reaction <laughs> to seeing a copy of himself like being kind of like turned on by himself. It's a the the the, the most twisted Spider-Man meme. Oh, uh, yeah. Like these two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. I'm just mm -hmm. coaches doing the same thing. I, I I love the idea that Coach is extremely vain, but he's he kind of hides it as best he can until yeah. he just can't anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's really what's driving his uh, really what's driving his his uh, his his need to work out and his need to to look good is that actually he's a very vain character, but right. he, he doesn't, at first he doesn't seem like he would be a vain character. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's yeah. 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 It's one of my favorite parts. Um, so I would be remiss to uh, quickly uh, ask if there is any um, secret stuff you can tell us about a potential Maya and coach hookup. I know that there are people probably shipping them quite hard. So 
Yeah, and we talk about that. You're going to get to it where we we talk about in the post, the yeah, the wrap up. How Coach and Maya really like Maya's uh, interest in Coach. And listening back to the episodes, it doesn't sound this way, but I, I think her her approach was actually it, it wasn't super like uh, it it wasn't super sexual. It, it, that that wasn't really what it was. It was no. that Maya treats him more like a muse. Right. And and she is I, you'd have to talk to Jen about this. But from what I got, she is more like uh, internalizing coaches masculinity or whatever it may be as this this muse for her art. Right. And, and that's why she likes him so much. Uh, it, it, it's a lot less romantic and a lot more she's using him for inspiration. Right. Really, really kind of wild and interesting because Maya is such a uh, interesting, you know, free flowing character. For sure. Well, that's cool. I, yeah, well, I'm um, loving the podcast. I think that uh, everyone should be listening to it. Um, oh. If you can make time in your day to, uh, to give uh, the Knights a listen, uh, they're definitely worth your time. Well, one other thing before we move on that mm-hmm. I really like about our podcast that I, I think is pretty unique. I, so I, I have I have two kids, and several of, of us on the cast have have kids, and we all like different podcasts, and we often can't or we can't or don't listen to podcasts in the car with our kids because the you know, right. language or subject matter or whatever. Right. So with this podcast, we've tried to make it a podcast that is very adult, but mm-hmm. that is something that you can listen to wherever. You know, I've, I've, I, uh, you mention it, and I don't think I've ever really noticed that there's been, there's been no cussing. Yep. That's crazy. I, you know what? I've never even, I didn't even notice it. And, and, and we don't want people to, to notice it. We, we want the story to be very, very adult, you know, very grown up. And, right. uh, but at the same time, we also want it to be something very accessible. And I think that, that really comes from, uh, their improv background. They, they they run shows every week at a theater, and they right. want to be inclusive. They they want everybody to be able to participate in that. Right, right. So it's that is that's for us. That's a huge selling point, and and I'm I'm so glad that that you mentioned that. Like, oh, I I didn't even notice, and that's, no, I that's didn't. great. We we because don't we don't want to I, notice. Yeah, it means that it uh, you know it's not lacking anything. It's it's uh you know it's standing on its own two feet without the um you know the crassness of. I mean, I probably swore ten times on this interview already. <laughs> Um, but it's because my kids aren't around, right? It's like almost a switch that, uh, that, that, that gets flipped whenever there's, you know, people that are younger around me, I automatically don't swear anymore. And then when I'm like doing a podcast, I'm like, let's do this thing with lots of swearing. Yeah, sure. And, 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 and I'm, and I'm not bad talking any podcasts that do like those, those are the podcasts that I listen to. That's, that's not the point. That's not the point I'm making. It was just (laughs) our, it was a very conscious decision because we didn't see a lot of that content out there. So we wanted to put some of that, that content out for people to listen to. Right. No, for sure. It makes sense. Um, so yeah, let's talk about your, uh, your little side hustle here. Yeah. This, uh, this, uh, make my anthem. I feel like everybody's got a side hustle these days. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone everyone needs a little something, right? Um, I uh, I'm absolutely flabbergasted by it. It's fantastic. It's amazing. Thank you. Um, I... You uh, you said uh, I think in on on the on your pod on the pod and uh, like on the Instagram account um, that you have a very large background in music with uh, like you know being in a rock band and stuff. Um, give us a little idea of how you started with music and stuff. Um, so I picked up the guitar at 16 and I did that just to kind of support my singing. I I was a singer and I wanted to be able to write songs. I didn't feel like I could write music without 
again, doing something myself. Mm -hmm. So I picked up the pick up the guitar and I had been in a couple of different bands uh, and that lasted till I was about 28, 20, 27 mm -hmm. or 28, where I was just playing music and, and you know producing music. And in that, I learned all the sound engineering stuff uh, that has benefited me. Uh, and now, I, I, for a little while, I, I kind of lost that, I don't know, that, that connection with music. I think I just got burnt out. Right. I got burnt out of it. And then I started finding some artists that I really, really liked again. And then I started creating music and I started challenging myself to do things that I'd never done before with electronic music. And mm -hmm. then with, uh, with Make My Anthem, I, it started because I something really dramatic in our campaign happened where one of the characters died. Mm -hmm. And I could see how that was affecting all the characters and how powerful that was. And that night I stayed up to like 2 a.m., which is a big deal. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> when, you, when you have kids, like that, yeah. that's a big deal. But I stayed up really, really late writing this piece of music. Um, and it was, it was something I'd never done before. And then I took this, it was all piano at the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I can make music based off of these, these experiences that we're having yeah. in this campaign. And so then from there, I wrote a song for each character in my campaign. This is the, um, this is the one that you were DMing. Yes, this is the mm -hmm. this is the, the campaign that I was DMing, or still am DMing. Right, it's a very very long campaign, clearly. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I started. I, I did a, I did an anthem for every single one of them, and I said, I wonder if people would would want me to do this for them. Mm -hmm. And 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 at the time, I had never written anything orchestral at all, so I was learning as I was going. Again, that that you know, I was terrified of it, but I had I wanted to learn it. Um, so I, I said, well, I wonder if people want, you know, songs for their characters. Cause I, uh, my, my players have found such a huge connection, uh, that it builds. And I feel like with these characters mean so much to us, the more we can give them, I, I, I always say everybody needs an anthem, you know, like, like Darth Vader has an anthem and right. Harry Potter has an anthem and uh, right. all these, all these characters have anthems. And I... I want our characters to have anthems. You know, I want right. our heroes. They deserve it. They, we spend so much time with them. They, they deserve it just like anything else. Have you, um, have you done anthems for, um, uh, the characters in the podcast? No, not yet. If I'm being completely frank, the in the intro to that, to the podcast, because I was clearing it with like six different people, mm -hmm. I have seven different versions of that idea and all of them are different i i have several of them i i now i'm posting up all of the i call them uh what are they uh not rough cuts anyway it's kind of like butcher butcher block cuts of like music that's really good that i think is good but that didn't make the cut right. and i post this up on my instagram for funsies and so no i have not made character songs for any of them yet and that is something to look forward to in the future Right, but I guess the um, the theme song for the podcast is like this party's theme song, right? One hundred percent. Right. Um, you uh, um, you mentioned earlier that you had done music for for quite a long time. Is there um, anything that uh, our listeners can can look for on like Spotify or, or YouTube to to listen to? Oh, I mean, if you want to listen to the anthems, you can find those. On... No, I mean of your uh, like oh, your personal... previous. Yeah. You, stuff? Oh, you, you want to hear me sing. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it, you might as well plug it and I'd be interested in hearing it as well. 
Sure. Uh, I was in a band called Good Morning Milo for about seven years. So if you wanted to hear that, or another band called Cavalist, C-A-V-A-L-I-S-T. And then I've done some uh, of my own stuff just under Weston Gardner, and I'll be putting out another single very, very soon, cool. which is really exciting. It, it, it's it's the, the songs that I've written that are mine, that are just me, uh, have been very personal, and this next one I'm putting out is all about, uh, it's a very fun song, very catchy song, but it's about struggling with mental illness and anxiety, and, you know, it's something that a lot of our generations, you know, is dealing with. Yeah. So that's been a, a very cathartic thing for me, and, and that I think that's what music has always done for me, is it's helped me, one, connect with people and really express the things that I'm going through. Yeah, I definitely, um, I have the same connection to music. I, uh, I was in several different bands throughout my life. Uh, nothing ever panning out. Only played maybe, you know, a dozen shows altogether with th- three or four different projects or whatever. Um, only ever really recorded one song. Um, but the, um, the music that I listened to that I enjoy um, was a huge part of my life in that, you know, I, there's a... You know, there's a, a song for every occasion, right? There's I have I a song that. for every, you know, that, that reminds me of when I graduated, a song that reminds me of this song, you know, like a song that was there for me when I moved away for the first time away from home. Like, so there's uh, music is a, is a huge thing for me. And I think that um, um, that you um, being a music professional is uh, it's just really cool, man. It's really cool. Oh, I I mean, that that's that's huge. And I I. I I think that everybody should have the opportunity to be in a band at some mm-hmm. point in their life, like like you found. Like, there's a reason that people do that. Yeah. And the idea that you can connect with music that is either your own or somebody else's, and that it defines certain points in your life. That's why I make music. You know, that's yeah. that's why I have become so obsessed with this. Um, with this. Uh, you know, direction in my life is that mm-hmm. I, I have found the value in it and how how much it helps us to cope with everything going on and use it as these like bookmarks, these chapter markers in your life. You can hear right. a song and know exactly where you were. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. some, for some people, it's one specific band that does that for them. And sometimes it's several different bands that do that throughout their life. Right. So 100%. Um, so for the um, the make my anthem thing, the the process uh, that you and I went through, uh, we um, if the listener hasn't figured out yet. We um, we did this thing where I filled out a form um, and uh, pretty much gave you details on my character, and uh, I gave you a backstory, and then you took that and you actually created an anthem for me. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, maybe <laughs> what I should do is uh, let's get them a taste of this here. Maybe uh, what I should do here is. Um, um, I'll tell them the character, and so the the character's name is Tsuru Nomiya, which uh, um, is translated literally into a handlebar mustache, um, because I found an image of this guy on uh, DeviantArt, and he was a like kind of Bruce Lee monks looking uh, a guy, and he had a handlebar mustache. And I'm like, well, I gotta. So I Google translated it, and I found these two words, Tsuru and Nomiya, that had something to do with handlebar mustache. So that's that what is I the named best. it. Oh, I love uh, it so much. Yeah, it's so random. Um, but he's a uh, um, at this point in my playing him, he's a um, high leveled uh, uh, monk, eighteen eighteenth uh, uh, um, uh, level, I believe. Um, oh, dang. The uh, the podcast Heroes of 
and the um uh the Instagram uh, Heroes of Hakathra is actually named after this campaign that uh, that I was uh, that I'm in called the Swords of Hakathra, and uh, he's one of the heroes of Hakathra. Um, eventually, the plan is to kind of um, uh, to, to present to everyone all these different heroes that we've been playing for you know ten years or something. Um, but uh, I used him as my uh, my example uh, character for this uh, this process with you. Um, I wanted to just read the um, the background here that I gave so that this way the listener can hear the background and then see how you interpreted that into a song. Um, so I have written down here, at a young age, Sudu was able to tap into an unknown energy that allowed him to defeat a warlord that had killed his clan. Since then, he has been chasing that power like an addict, embarking on a quest to become the master of the martial arts. Sudu traveled far and wide for this. On his travels, he fell into a group of adventurers known as the Heroes of Hakathra. And with their help, he lo located Kung Fu masters that would teach him um, a specific style. Uh, each a specific style. And now having mastered the five animal styles of Kung Fu, Tiger, Mantis, Crane, Monkey, and Viper, he is on the verge of completing his life goal to reattain that magic moment he had when he was a child. The last stage of this is to learn dragon style. And the only teacher to teach him left is an evil red dragon that he has sworn to defeat. Um, so with that background, um, you... We're able to kind of go through it and create a song. How did you uh, how did you kind of dissect that and come up with the uh, idea for the song? So, I mean, the the backgrounds really helped me connect with the the feeling that the character has. Mm -hmm. It's really those adjectives that that drive the kind of attitude of the song because the the backstory. I mean, that that could be a very sad backstory the sound the the song could sound sad you know whatever it may be but i think the adjectives that people choose to define their characters with right. really tells me the attitude right. um and then also i always ask for the the style that you want the song in like is there there's there already a song out there that you think feels right for your character or a couple different songs so that then right. i can pull from those and immediately connect a lot faster with what you're going for yeah, um so and it'll make the um, the person who's receiving this theme happy because it's kind of what they were already hoping it was going to be. Exactly. Um, and I, as as an artist, like artists are always wanting to be super original and 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 wanting to just be themselves. And you know, I I find what I'm really good at is being able to find something, uh, listen to it, and then kind of reinterpret it um, so that so that I'm Basically, I'm writing for the person. I'm I'm mm -hmm. I'm writing for the listener, and a lot of people might look down on that kind of I don't know uh, fan servicing or something. Yeah, I, I guess. But but for me, I, I'm I do this because I I want people to ha have an anthem, and and right. sometimes you know it being an anthem means that i'm not going to do all the crazy weird experimental stuff that i normally would right <laughs> you know well, no one no one wants their uh their tastes to be challenged in uh, for their character if they tell you they want it to sound like for whom the bell tolls then <laughs> it's going to have to sound a little bit like for whom the bell tolls do you know what i mean and and then there's definitely a consistency in my style if 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 you listen to it just like an artist would have a, a you know consistent style just like mm -hmm. You know, anybody else, a sculptor, whatever else it would be, would have a consistent style. You know, if somebody asked me to write 
uh, you know, if somebody asked me to write something, you know, with metal guitar, I'd be like, listen, I'm, I'm not a metal guitarist. I, I don't know if I can do that. You know, <laughs> like yeah. that's not right. That, that takes, you know, uh, 10,000 hours of practice to get to that level. And I'm of sorry, course. you know, that's, <laughs> but could I make something that sounds like that? uh in an orchestral type style yeah maybe yeah Yeah. let's see you know let's find out together Mm -hmm. let's um let's listen to the the the, the track real real quick and then we can uh, talk about the process of actually writing it I got goosebumps again. I like. I think I've gotten goosebumps like <laughs> ten times this week just listening to this track, man. It's so awesome. Something that makes me just love this, like I said, is this ability to like connect. I, I feel connected to to your character now. I mean, yeah. I in in every single anthem that I've written, I feel connected to those characters. I mean, I'm almost. This sounds silly, but I'm almost like tearing up. Yeah, uh, listening back to to that song. Uh, because it becomes very personal, and yeah. I, I I do my best to like embody that character. Here's the trippy part, Weston, is that forever now, when I play Tsurunomiya, you'll be at the table with me. How messed I... up is that? <laughs> I, I I love that. I, it's great. I, I am I am honored to be there next to you. You know. Yeah. I, yeah, it's I'm really honored. cool to that that you you know let me in to this this very personal thing and we were talking about the magic of D D before mm-hmm. and i think it is that that personal connection that we my favorite thing is being able to make something where there was nothing yeah and that's why that's why i like music that's why i like dungeons and dragons that's why i like uh, acting and improv and being able to create something where there was nothing Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this idea of a blank page and the potential that that that, that gives off. But um, kind of going going back to to the song, right. uh, I I feel that way with you know many of them. I, I I you you said a couple words that really in influenced me. You said I want it to be like what did you say? You want it to be like a Asian inspired, uh, not heavy metal, but I think you said something like a. So, so something like that quick beats or like some uh... yeah it, it was powerful and I, yeah. I i came across this mongolian band named the who mm-hmm. uh not not w-h-o but h-u right uh the h-u the who and they have all these classical 
Asian instruments. Um, and that really, like, I was like, oh, oh, yes, this is, this is what I was looking for. So uh, I took a bunch of uh, Chinese instruments, and then I th threw them through a, a guitar amplifier and gave them this very, like, I don't know, very aggressive, very, uh, very, uh, very Asian-inspired key, mm -hmm. but also, you know, this cutting, this cutting, powerful sound. Right. Because um, I, I wanted it to sound like, you know, you were in a, in a stadium, uh, and, and I wanted to give off this idea that Suru was uh, very controlled, but every every punch he threw was just packed with fury. Uh, okay. One of my favorite things that I talked to you about was if you listen in the background, you can hear this, uh, this symbol that almost sounds like a snake. It uh, so does. De I, demonstrating I, these different styles that uh, Suru right. has. Viper and the, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, it's awesome. There's, um, I, I, can, I can see him, like I can see him in my mind when I hear it. And uh, I think that's um, just a testament to being able to nail exactly what I wanted. That, that means the world to me. It, it really does. And, and with every anthem that I do, that is, that is what I'm going for. And I, multiple times, I, I've had to become more and more comfortable with the idea of destroying something to create something new. Right. And that can be a challenge for artists. I have to both embody the character and also be willing to let, uh, you know, hard work go, go away in, in the hope that something new and something better is coming. And every single time that I have done that, I have ended up with something that I liked even better. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it takes me back to when I was in school writing essays and how sometimes... Uh, in those days, you know, computers didn't save so well, and they would crash a lot, and you know, all, they, they weren't nearly as stable as they are now. And you would lose like, you know, three pages off your essay that you had just written. But when you go back and rewrite it, it's always better. Yeah, you're right. You're it's totally always right. better. So I, I, I like to encourage people who work with me to be very open and very honest about their feedback. And sometimes, like, like in in our case, I I found something that really worked. Uh, and and it made the process pretty darn I mean pretty darn quick yeah uh, where where we were able to you know give you were able to give me that feedback very quickly and I was able to execute it and uh, other times that's not the case other times right. I'll go through one revision I'll send it off uh, they'll give give me back some feedback I'll send off another one they'll give me back some more feedback and it takes a little bit longer but so far I I feel like I have never failed. Right. <laughs> Um, and, I, yeah, I bet you it's happened. It must have happened where some of these people who have hired you to do this um, haven't realized what they wanted out of it until they started hearing the process. You know, they, they you, you send them a rough cut of something. This is what I'm kind of thinking. And then once they hear that, they, they realize in that moment, oh, I'd like to have more of this or less of this. And they didn't even realize that they had a specific thought in their head until you started kind of developing it for them. And, and and that's kind of the struggle, isn't it? I, I, a lot of like everybody knows the way that a sketch looks, with with art. And I, I, the reason I keep comparing it to art is that that's what's in the D and D community right now. Is there's all these incredible, incredibly talented artists. Right. Uh, on the podcast, we have Chris Daly. Uh, yeah, his, he does all. Yeah, his stuff is great. Man, he's amazing, and I, he um, pumps that stuff out. Yeah. I actually just um, interviewed uh, Steve Nichol out of uh, Seattle, and he does. Um, he is uh, at Steve Sketches Art, 
and he does some really fantastic work too. So the the the, the actual episode that's going to air before this one that we're talking about is the um is like the part one of this whole process. So get your character drawn and then get your character's theme oh, song. Cool. That's yeah. rad. That, it, I mean, I've I've been so inspired by all these artists, uh, and that's kind of the, how I got into the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but please, if you have not checked out. Uh, his his handle you can you can look at us look us up at Knights of the World Table podcast on Instagram or his is uh, Daily Tunes RPG on Instagram. Yeah, really he's really uh, awesome. his stuff is great. There's a um, a playfulness to it. Yeah, um, but uh, with serious lines and and uh, great colors. Like uh, I think my favorite character arc is uh, art is is Maya. Oh yeah, <laughs> I just love the, the dress and the the look and the innocence on her face. Yet the danger in her eyes—it's just—it's great. He he captures her quite well. Yeah, he's he's been doing uh, quite a bit of work uh, for a company called Beetle and Grimm, mm-hmm. who put together these very elaborate D and D sets. Oh, he's uh, actually uh, been working for them. That's awesome. So you can see a lot of his artwork there as well. That's um, great. Yeah, we're all—I mean, we're my D and D group. We're all enamored with it. My uh, one of my DMs just bought the. Um, the silver edition <laughs> of uh, Salt Marsh. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You'll you'll definitely see some of his uh, his artwork in there. Awesome, that's cool. We'll, we'll take a look next time we're over there. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? I don't even know. Oh, anymore. just um, but the 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 song. Uh, song, yeah. Sudu's lament. Um, uh, he uh, um, it makes me want when I hear it. It makes me want to have a movie made out of this character so that I can have you do the score because it's such a great sound. I mean, there's all this, you know, potential for, you know, a love theme and that same kind of style and the, totally. you know, battle songs and just, uh, it, it, it makes me like just oh, crave more. Um, I think, I think one of my favorite moments uh, with this feedback process was when I sent something to somebody and she's like, that is her perfect battle theme. I was like, fantastic. She's like, yeah, but I, w- I didn't want a battle theme. I need you to make it sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, 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 I want it to be heartbreaking. I want it to be so sad. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Uh, let's make it sad, you know? Yeah. So everybody has these different parts of their you know themselves that that they that they want to uh, bring out the, the parts of these characters like you were saying you you want a lament you want a uh, a you know suru chilling at the campfire you right. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you want all these other things and uh, i've been asked multiple times and and i'm i'm curious your thoughts because i didn't go into this thinking like oh i'm going to make this these anthems for these characters for this purpose right. you, you know like you know, in the actual game, I found it really fun to play their... Whoa. Kids are awake. Uh, <laughs> I, I found it really fun to play them at the table, like, right as they're about to take down the big bad. Or, you right. know, like, like whatever it may be, play their anthem. So while they're describing how they're taking the, this character down, you're hearing... Uh, you're he- they're hearing their own anthem in the background. Right. And it's, and, I mean, it's so inspiring, like... This is this is the first time that I have ever done anything that I feel like I don't think anybody else is doing this. Yeah, I don't think I think you're the only one. I think you've cornered the market on anthem making because I don't <laughs> I haven't seen anybody else. <laughs> anthem making for D and D characters. I yeah. and, and and I hope that in addition to people, um, in addition to people, you know, hiring me to to do their artwork, I hope this inspires them to hop into GarageBand and mm. try and try and write a melody and and see you know, what they can do. 
Dude, uh, I sent my my DM Jack, who is uh, at Blackwater Johnny um, on Instagram. I told him uh, that we were doing this interview, and I said, "Dude, you could do it." He's like 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 you been in several bands, a rock star for for fifteen years. He actually wrote our our theme song for the podcast. Oh, right on. Uh, and uh, so I'm like, dude, you could do this. You could, you could like write anthems for all of our characters. Why aren't you doing this? <laughs> like, kind of guilting him, <laughs> like, sh- like music shaming him. Like, why oh, aren't you doing funny. these anthems for us? Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's definitely right now. It's definitely a passion project for me. I, I am, uh, you know, it, it takes a long time. I, the, the, it just takes a, a, a while. It, even, even at the quickest, you know, I'm spending eight hours to, right. to put together one of these anthems it is even at a, at a just because they're they're very complex and and i want them to be memorable and i want them to be right yeah um and so and so some anthems have taken me up to upwards of 16 hours to put together that's so that's crazy. i mean that that's a huge time commitment to uh it's two full work days it's it really is and I, and, I'm, and i'm hoping to get to the point where either I get better or uh, my process gets better so that I can do more and more of these things. Right. Um, just because they're very time consuming. They, they take a long time. And, 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 I, and I feel like that's right. I, I feel like that's, that's correct. Um, but I, I want to be able to keep doing them. Yeah, it should. In order for, uh, for us, the consumer, to get um, the quality that we just listened to, um, it, 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 it can't happen quickly. Right. Right. It takes time. Right. Um, so just a couple more quick points about this here. Um, I, uh, um, I, 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 there's that moment in the song where, um, there's like a little bit of a breakdown and you bring back the, uh, the flute sound. Um, and, uh, it definitely strikes a chord for me because there is a little bit of a sadness to Tsuru, which is that he, um, he's like kind of moving headlong into his own, his own destruction Mm. and that his, um, his ambition to become, uh, the world's uh, greatest monk and unlocking all these um, uh, uh, styles is literally spearheading him towards his ultimate destruction. Um, I've, as a pl- as his player, have never expected him to survive at the end of the campaign um, because of how dangerous all these teachers that he had to go through um, and learn were all very dangerous teachers who, you know, put it pushed him to the brink um, to be able to actually learn these styles. And with the last one being the dragon, I feel like that that breakdown at the uh, in the middle there, where it kind of is like there's this like moment of sadness. I feel like it it, it captures that um, that feeling that he, you know, he might have been doomed before he even began, kind of thing. I I am so glad that you heard that. I I love in these little like one minute pieces. I still like to have dynamic. I think that a lot of people, uh, when they're writing classical music or orchestral music, they uh, really lengthen out. <laughs> I mean, they instead of focusing on these moments, they really, I mean, 14 minute songs, 15 minute songs. And I think it can, it can happen a lot quicker, like you were saying, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really dropping out some of those drums, dropping out uh, a lot of other instruments gives it that floaty, thoughtful, uh, and, and you were saying sadness, and I think that that's a lot about the key uh, that the song is written is it's it, it's this very forward, uh, but also there's this there's this recognition of uh, I mean what we do in D and D is very dangerous, 
Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, not, not to us as the players, but to our characters, it's extremely dangerous, and they're constantly putting themselves in harm's way. Right. And that that feeling I love to capture in these anthems. There have been a couple anthems that have just been fun, just just straight fun. But right. I think Soru's, it, it, he seemed like a much more uh, careful, not careful, that's, that's the wrong word, uh, deliberate. Mm-hmm character and and I yeah. wanted him to have a certain seriousness about him and a certain understanding that even though his path is dangerous he accepts that and yeah. and, and and he realizes that but that still affects him on a you know on 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 some level it it still makes him uh afraid is the wrong word but uh it just just that that acceptance that you know it it this path that I'm on may lead to something not so great right and and and, uh it's it's sort of phenomenal that you were able to pick that up with uh, a brief you know form filling out and backstory because that's exactly what his character is like he he is the sole good character in a group of nasty assholes who just happen to be (laughs) a bunch of anti-heroes you know there's a necromancer a dread pirate an assassin and then oh my gosh and uh, and they've all been thrust into this hero role only because the um, the opposition want to destroy the world as opposed to them like and these guys just want to kind of use their power to manipulate it. If there's no world there, they can't manipulate, right? Um, but Sudu is like this lone good character trying to pull these bad people into the right path, um, and while still struggling with the demons inside of him, which is the thirst for power, right? So it's um, it's a complicated thing, and uh, I think the track really kind of gives credit to that. Wow, well, thank you. I'm uh, that, like I said, that really, that really means everything to me. It 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 truly does. Being able to uh, connect with your character, and I, I I like to give people a little bit of a uh, glimpse into how connected they have become to these, you know, imaginary people. Mm -hmm. No other time in your life have you ever, you know, been the hero Mm -hmm. trying to pull, pull these, (laughs) pull these rapscallions uh, along with you in order to accomplish something so great. You know, it it, real life doesn't offer that opportunity very often. You know, it's, it's, it's very rare. And when it, when it does happen, it's not fun. You know, it's a, ter- it's a terrible experience. Uh, cough, cough, group projects, cough, cough. Um, <laughs> but we, we get to experience that. Yeah. Isn't that so cool? Isn't that it's the crazy. Best? It's really crazy. Um, I've, I've said it a couple times before, and I don't know where I've got this, but um, I, I must have heard it somewhere. But um, it, it rings true for me is that a lot of my memories in my life are our D memories are memories of stuff that my characters did because i spent so much time at the table um and now i feel like i have audio to that and it's um it's just another step uh, up of this like miraculous thing that can happen well uh thanks for being on the show man uh this is like been one of the most enjoyable interviews i've done so far um, so much to talk about. I feel like we could talk probably for another hour, but um, you're on the <laughs> you're on, you're on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast, and uh, it, she getting late for this boy. Oh, it sure is. Yeah. Um, if uh, if people are interested in getting their anthem made, uh, they can get a hold of you through uh, at Make My Anthem on Instagram. Absolutely. And I would uh, I would love to hear from you. 
I think that uh, they they should all do so. I think everyone needs an anthem. Um, hashtag everyone needs an anthem. Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> and if they, every, anybody's interested in listening to the podcast, uh, you're on all major platforms. Uh, try and find me somewhere where we're not, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're we're all over the place. Knights of the Roll Table podcast uh, at Inst- uh, on Instagram, and uh, you guys can find them on Stitcher, iTunes, uh, uh, Spotify, probably everywhere, like he says. Um, Weston, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This is like such a pleasure. I um, maybe we'll uh, try to set something up sometime in the future, maybe after season two is completed, and uh, maybe we can have like maybe a full cast interview, and we can talk to everybody about their characters. I would love to bring everybody on. I think they would really, really enjoy that as well. Thank you so much, Sean. It was a blast. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you. Well, that was the interview with Weston. Um, it was such an easy interview to conduct. I really didn't even need to think about the questions. Things just came supernaturally talking to him. Um, I I really, really highly suggest you guys check out the Knights of the Roll table. They are doing something really special there. They're, um, like we talked about in the interview, I like the fact that they're switching out and they're bringing guest appearances, guest uh, players into their game, makes things a little bit more uh, realistic, and they've just switched up the DM for season two. Um, it's uh, super fun to listen to. They're a really great gang, and uh, man, they're funny. They're so funny. Um, if you're in the mood for, for something creative and something hilarious, I really, really suggest you listen to them. You can find them on any platform that you can find a podcast. They are Knights of the Rolled Table. Um, so yeah, uh, this has been, um, a great episode to do. I wish that I could do more of them. If you are interested in supporting the show and allowing me to be able to do this more often, go check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heroes of. If, um, you are wanting to support the show in other ways you can rate and review the episodes on itunes or just tell people to listen to say this guy isn't very good but he does sometimes do funny things or i just like the sound of his voice i want to support um a a 40 year old schlub who works in a cafeteria and i'd really like it if he was to, to do something else other than that um i think that sounds more like my mom saying those words now than uh than me (laughs) um anyways i um really uh would like it if you reached out too you could reach us at heroes of hakathra at uh, gmail.com that's our email or just find us on instagram or on twitter on twitter we are heroes of one and on instagram we are at heroes of hakathra just reach out and tell us about the show tell us what you like tell us what you didn't like if you have any suggestions for the show you can um you can reach out with that too um anyways uh i Man, I think that I hear my kids crying upstairs. I think I gotta go. Um, this has been the quickest uh, recorded podcast in history. I literally did the intro and the outro in like 10 minutes in between laundry loads. I wasn't joking earlier when I said that I am in a laundry room as an in-studio. I am standing right next to the Tide Pods right now. Don't worry. I will not eat the Tide Pods. I know they're bad for me. Um, anyways, um, love yous, and uh, hope you enjoy the show today. Um, anyways, we'll talk to you later, heroes.